You're listening to What She Said, a podcast for bloggers and creatives hosted by me, Lucy Sharif, a freelance journalist living in London. Each week, I interview different women in blogging and the online world, getting their best blogging tips and advice, and a little bit of gossip too. Thanks for listening. Welcome to another episode of What She Said. I can't actually believe I've been doing it so long. Um, by the time this episode comes out, it'll be episode 12, which means 12 weeks. That's mental. Anyhow, I'm still going. Um, I think I'm going to take a break at episode 20. Um, not sure how long for, but I think maybe a month or so couple of months to give myself a bit of a break over Christmas but you've got stacks of episodes coming your way up until that point so don't worry <laughs> so on with this episode so I spoke to Amanda from the wonderful online stylist um, it's such an interesting chat and it's completely outside the normal because um, Amanda is somebody who I discovered through Erica Davies Instagram feed um, she's a she's a fashion former fashion stylist and uh, fashion blogger um, and I quickly became a little obsessed with her stylish feed, her love of cashmere, <laughs> um, monochrome and her serious coffee addiction. I loved chatting to Amanda, she's just so lovely and honest and so humble too, it's crazy. I feel like I say this every week that I chat to the nicest person around <laughs> but um, it's true, Like I think I just happened to knows like stacks of really lovely people um she's super positive and she managed to impart a whole host of wisdom throughout our chat um while being really really humble about it she's absolutely fantastic at getting media coverage for the online stylist she's been featured loads of glossies i'll link to the page uh, her press page in the show notes but um She's been covered in glossies and nationals, like The Telegraph, The Times, Red, absolutely loads. Um, and she's got some fantastic tips for staying organised when you work from home, which can be notoriously difficult, and how to maintain your productivity as your creativity ebbs and flows. If you want to up your content game, and maybe you need some help in getting yourself organised, this one is for you. So, for anybody who doesn't know who you are, Amanda, if you could just um, introduce yourself and let us know um, about your blogging journey. Of course. Um, thank you for asking me, first of all, to come and do the podcast. It's so exciting. Um, so, I've been blogging at, well, I've been blogging at the Online Stylist since 2009. Um, prior to that, I had another blog called 39 and Counting, which, surprise, surprise, as I approached 40, um, <laughs> I started writing that in 2008. So, um, I literally got into it f from the purpose of wanting to write. I really wanted to write a book, and mm -hmm. uh, I knew I didn't have that in, in, in me at all. So I found these amazing things called blogs one day and then just started writing an online diary, really. Um, and it kind of grew, I hate to use the word organically, but, <laughs> but, it, but it, grew, it grew from there. It started as a real hobby. Because it, that wasn't your... So your background is really interesting, actually. Um, if anybody doesn't know, your background is in finance. Yes. <laughs> so, totally unrelated um 
probably should never have been in finance to start with either because I was absolutely terrible at maths at school. Um, <laughs> but I uh, ended up in finance in, in accounts departments and ended up managing teams of people. And that's it was the people side that I really loved. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so completely to go from finance to, to a fashion blogging was just a bit crazy, very serendipitous, I would say. Yeah, but you'd always been interested in fashion, had you, or...? Yes, I had. I would probably say very experimental stages in in my sort of 20s and, and even early 30s. Mm-hmm. And then I think once I had my daughter, it was that thing of fashion was, was my thing and yeah. I really wanted to focus on it more. So it, it was then that it really kind of took off. Yeah. So when your daughter was, was it, she was like a toddler when you when things started she was yeah so she so well, actually she was just about to start school um oh, okay. so i knew she'd be going part-time and i'd taken redundancy from my mm-hmm. long-term 15 year role in finance um uh, very sad to say goodbye to all my friends because mm-hmm. i kind of did all my formative growing up there yeah. if you like um so yeah started writing and because i had the redundancy payoff we both my husband and i kind of agreed that you know let's just um wait until she settles in school mm-hmm. before i look around for work and so i kept writing the blog and very soon i was completely hooked <laughs> <laughs> so in that time that you were just writing for the joy of writing the blog as a kind of passion project was there any point where you were like oh wow actually i can make something out of this i could maybe i could make a living out of this as opposed to going back to a quote unquote uh, real job <laughs> real job yeah it's that real job thing isn't it yeah, yeah. Um, do you know what it was really funny I think people had to well I think you probably had to bash me around the head several times with that I could make something out of this because I was probably quite slow to catch on when other people were catching on that you, you know there were ways to make money from it and, and to get your name out there mm-hmm. I kept writing and I think it was when I had first outreaches from PRs and a couple of brands that I, you know, they offered to send me something lovely mm-hmm. if I would write about it. Um, and even back in the day, I was very careful about the kind of gifts that I would accept because I felt it had to fit in with my life anyway. Um, so I think once that kind of happened a few times and I started realising there were people reading it, so slowly, very slowly, <laughs> like dawned on Marblehead. <laughs> um, but I would say, I think the first time somebody offered me said to me you know we'd love to place a sidebar ad in, in your sidebar mm-hmm. and we'd like to pay you some money I was like oh my goodness this is incredible wow <laughs> so, so, so I think it just it was it was such a slow burn but then yeah. slowly I realized that it, it could be something you know p- pretty good so when when all of that started um oh. with people reaching out to you wanting to send you things etc etc had you been tracking your stats or anything or I seem to remember I had some I think I was using stat counter actually mm. so I remember watching the stats growing slowly and getting really excited every day when there was a few more site hits and things coming yeah. through um, I didn't start using things like Google Analytics until you know, a lot further down the line um, yeah so I was just purely looking and making sure that the numbers were continuing to go up and yeah. I also kind of judged it on in the early days the blogging community was was amazing in terms of everybody was doing it and people were commenting on each other's blogs all the time so I kind of used that as a measure you know when when someone comments and you comment it was that kind of camaraderie community thing yeah that's really interesting so (laughs) it's funny that people were you know people PRs etc were telling you that your blog was successful as opposed to you kind of realizing it yourself Yes, um. <laughs> <laughs> I, have to, I have to be told these things sometimes. Like, I, I, am, I am slow to catch on or late to the party. When I get there, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> 
So in those early days of, um, I guess, making some money from it, because I think everybody starts out with making really, really small amounts, almost pocket money from it. Yeah, very, very (laughs) small amounts, but it was exciting nonetheless. (laughs) It is exciting. It's really important to celebrate those wins anyway, however small they are. But did you have a a bit of a goal in mind of where you wanted? So at this stage, were you you were still 40 not out or 39? yeah, I, yeah, I was still forty not out, yeah. um, and I think when the money kind of trickled in slowly, I thought it would be actually quite good if um, I didn't have to go out and get a real job and start yeah. paying for, <laughs> pay for childcare. Because the minute yeah. you know, as a parent, as a mum, the minute you decide you're going to your your child's only just starting school, you're not entirely sure what the hours are that you can or can't do. The childcare is an issue. Um, childcare for us would have to be paid childcare. It wasn't a, a thing to rely on families for at mm. all. So I think I think it was at those points I started thinking, well, if I could see where this goes, let's let's give it a year, perhaps give it two years, and um, you know see how far I can take it. And if I can earn some money that means that I don't have to go out and pay for childcare, but also I could be flexible, then that you know that was incredible. So that was my initial goal, I would say. Yeah. And did you have a, a bit of a I don't want to say business plan because I think I don't think any of us start out with that sort of strategy. <laughs> More stability, but did you have a bit of a plan of action for how you I would love, achieve I would that? Love to say I had a business plan, but I not <laughs> have a business plan. Um, I, I guess the first plan that I possibly put into play was, I think, a couple of years after Forty Not Out was going. I created this online style advice service mm-hmm. because th- through the blog I would get lots of emails from readers um, asking for very specific style advice questions. So I thought, oh, there could be something in this. So I, I had this, this style advice service bolt on, if you like, built yeah. for the blog by a local um, uh, mar- email marketing company. Can be can, um, not email marketing. What am I trying to say? Um, so, you know, sites, people that build websites and things. Web design, yeah. Web design, you see, I'm so <laughs> Um, And I think once I had that in place, I was looking, that was me looking at ways to secure a bit more of an income, I think. Yeah. As as a bit of an add-on to what you were doing. Because when did you you stop doing the uh, style advice? Was that fairly recently or a couple of years ago? Uh, Quite a few years ago now. So I think I did it for about two years. Mm -hmm. And I I, I probably only had, you know, a handful of clients. And in the beginning, I started out with charging ridiculously low prices and I was told by people in the industry what are you doing you know you're so undercharging for your services but I think that comes down to that thing of trying to learn how to place a value on yourself doesn't it which as we all know is really hard yeah so I I stopped it a few years ago and I probably ran it for a couple of years I had a handful of clients um adjusted my fees I also adjusted the types of packages that I was offering uh, but I have to say, as much as I love doing it, because, you know, picking an outfit for somebody or picking capture wardrobe for somebody is really lovely, mm. um, you never knew when the work was going to drop into your lap. And I'm a complete and utter perfectionist. <laughs> so for me, I always worried that what I was delivering was never going to be good enough. It always was. I never had a complaint. Um, I always had great feedback. And I think slowly over time, I began to realize that the blogging, the creation through blogging, you know, through writing and imagery, that was the real thing that I loved so much more. Yeah. So I think as I was about to go through another incarnation of a blog redesign, at that point I decided I would just drop the style advice service, um, you know, f- from the picture. And, yeah. and wrote a post about it saying it was a matter of lifestyle choice for me yeah. and creativity choice. 
and I think so many people who do the job that we do, it is down to have it's the lifestyle, isn't it? Because uh, yes, not many of us get to earn a, a massive living through it, but it's more about having the flexibility as well as the creativity and being able exactly. to work around children. And exactly, it, it's it's for me the the one thing that's always resonated, you know, with me for doing this is the flexibility around around my daughter and family and I think when you when you place that alongside having time to create and then something else in the mix which at that point was a side advice service Mm -hmm. I decided to choose I want to keep the flexibility and the lifestyle choice and the creativity and and let's drop that but I'm really glad that I did it because I think for me it was my first proper plan in a business perspective if you Mm -hmm. like um, and it taught me a lot about myself as well so it was all part of the process (laughs) (laughs) and I imagine it's probably set um set a good kind of background for working with uh brands as well yeah i mean it was a great thing to, to talk about with brands and obviously through the style advice service i could do utilize affiliate marketing mm. you know for items that i'd recommend to people so if you were if you're effectively selling affiliate marketed items to your style advice service clients then you're you're making affiliate sales yeah. which brings you onto the brand's radars um yeah, and and it, it's it's also funny, the flip side of that is that I have so many brands that I love and that are true to my style. So it was difficult for me to try and think outside of the brands that I love um, <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and try and get into the head of the, what the person who my client, what they love. Yeah, that must have been tricky. <laughs> it, it was, it, it's a learned skill. <laughs> yeah, but it's quite nice now that you can solely focus on what you like and actually you touched on something at the beginning when you were saying that always at the beginning even when you were first getting those those lovely freebies sent to you you were really careful about what you accepted how did you what was your process with that when somebody emails you um I think the the question you first know is you you react to your gut instinct so if you kind of clap your hands together and go amazing then you know it's a it's a great brand fit that means that you that means you love the brand and you love the product and then the second thing now with my business head on is I also have to think about what my readers like as well. So I, I do have to like that. I have to like the brand and the product. But I think if actually this serves a purpose that somebody else is going to find really useful, then that's also um, part of the picture, too. But, but I, I ultimately do say, though, and I think this is a line that I tend to use in a lot of refusal emails, is that if it doesn't fit well with my existing content or my own personal style, then I have to say thank you, but but no thank you. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good lesson to learn, I think, is saying no. It's yes, I've... It's hard. It's, <laughs> it's, you're right. It's so hard to say no to people um, in, in all walks of life, but particularly in blogging, and particularly because I think it's very hard to step out from that mindset when you're blogging and getting the blog off the ground. Mm. You want to be given opportunities and you want to prove yourself. Mm. So it's quite hard to switch from saying, okay, I want to prove myself, so I'll take an opportunity, to then switching to say, okay, I've proved myself to a degree. I can now afford to be more selective and, and how do I grow? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that definitely has a bearing on, on whether you say yes or no. Um, what would you say is your best bit of advice when it comes to working with PRs as opposed to brands? Because often often the PRs will reach out um, and they mm-hmm. manage several different brands or whatever, um, mm-hmm. which I find is a lot... Um, it, can, it can be easier, it can be harder speaking, uh, liaising with a PR than liaising with a brand especially sure. if the brand is small because it's you know they're a bit more emotionally invested um but yes so what would be your best bit of advice um, when working with a i PR? it's 
exactly how you phrase it. I believe there is a phrase, isn't it? It's do unto others as you wish would be done to yourself kind of thing. I think it's always be your very best because, and, and always say no politely and say thank you and, and just be professional because I've had, I mean, I've always done that, but I've also come across those circumstances where I've said no to a PR about one particular brand they work with and, and explained why, which generally the answer always is, you know, it doesn't really fit with my personal mm-hmm. style, but thank you very much. Um, and sometimes that that they'll come back to you and say, well, actually, now that you've said this, I see what you're saying and I have this brand to, you know, to work that we, that could be a better fit. Yeah. And, 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 and that has proven to be so. So I think everybody deserves respect and politeness. It's all too easy to sit there as a blogger and think, Oh, for goodness sake, haven't you read my blog? Can you clearly not see? <laughs> I mean, you know, that's that's really, I think PRs do get a bad rap for that and yeah. they have such a tough job to do. Yeah. Um, and they must be sifting through a gazillion blogs and Instagram feeds. Mm. So I think if you can help them, it's a win-win situation. You, you know, you just have to be honest and, and polite. And it's a really small world. Yes. So you have, you have to be really careful how mm. you how you carry yourself. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. And also, yes, sometimes you'll say no, but if you do it in the politest way and explain why, then mm-hmm. that will probably open up another opportunity for you. Um, so in terms of your blog and growing your blog, specifically growing your blog from um, the kind of passion project that it was, to a passion project that earns you money what has been the biggest growth game changers for you um funnily enough i would probably say only in the last couple of years am i experiencing uh, am i realizing what do actually turn out to be great um growth strategies or game changers and that is to plan ahead i mean for me i always say this blogging started from an emotional place in an an idea and creativity and it's easy you can carry on like that for quite some time you know bursts of activity bursts of ideas here and there but if you that's very short term um and it's to me that's instant gratification it's like great i've got an idea for a post let's do it Mm. but if you don't plan for the long term eventually those kinds of creativity opportunities start to run out or they, they, they become harder to come by um, so my my biggest um, revelation, if you like, has been looking at the year ahead each year, breaking it down into quarters, um, and from there on planning in those quarters, and then planning on month by month basis. As particularly when it comes to content, it's absolutely key. So do you do that by um, kind of theming your months, or and looking um, at what's going on in the wider world? Yeah, I think what goes on around you obviously has 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 a bearing particularly what it's like you know what it's like in the fashion industry mm-hmm. there's things that happen that, that have an effect but also lifestyle and also where you are in your life and also where your readers are and I think in their lives which I think you can kind of sometimes get a handle on by the types of comments that you get yeah. or the types of conversations you have on Instagram if someone says something to you repeatedly in my late 40s for instance you know we're all some of us our kids are getting older we're in a different stage we're hitting the pre-teens and all that kind of thing so you kind of get a feel for what people are wanting more information on that's one thing um i do plan content seasonally but i don't i wouldn't say i do any themes but you know in terms of that i have regular post series that i do um and then the other spoke of the wheel is of course is looking what brands I'd love to work with next. So I think if you're content planning all the time anyway, that's a brilliant driver for helping you when you want to pitch to brands. Yeah. That's a yeah, that's a really good point. I think I have to say that I <laughs> I'm absolutely terrible at content planning. I look at, <laughs> I mean, I schedule posts about a month in advance 
this so I'm kind of looking a month in advance and that's as far as I go and then I have yeah. a couple of regular series but honestly my content planning is terrible, terrible. I, I completely feel your pain I think it's a really um I don't know why it's a difficult thing to do when you're mm. a blogger but for me it, it seems to be a difficult thing to do and I think it's just the nature of the work that, that we do potentially yeah. that we're quite inspired it's quick hit inspiration isn't yeah, it definitely. there's lots of distractions around so I've learnt to take myself out of the rest of the equation for a day, a month, if I can, if not more, um, or split it into half days and shut down all emails, all notifications, everything, and sit down with a notebook and pen, good old fashioned, and thrash out some ideas. And then, then I can translate that into my geeky spreadsheety Excel editorial calendar. <laughs> That's which... a really, really good um, tip, though, just to completely switch everything off and just go back to basics and get a notepad, notepad and pen out and then just brainstorm. It is, because if you, I think if you, the minute you dip into anything mm. online, it's so easy to fall down a rabbit hole. Yes, um, it and, is. And that, that's what stops me from long-term planning I guess is is oh look it's something short-term to I can procrastinate with let's go and do that instead (laughs) (laughs) so I'm I'm, in actual fact I'm just writing a post about something now about um productive morning routines because all of this stuff doesn't happen overnight I've been doing this um I I guess with a business head on for the last five years I suppose out of the nine years I've been blogging and I'd say it's only the last two years that I feel I'm finally starting to nail my home routines if that makes any sense yeah yeah and I think there's so many of the people listening to this podcast will either be people who work from home or uh, who maybe aspire to work from home and Mm. that's actually one of the things that I think we don't talk about enough is that working from home is totally dreamy but you have to have a lot of self-motivation self-discipline Yes, I completely agree. <laughs> it, it, it is dreamy because you can sit there in your jammies and yes. you know, you know, not shower until midday if you if you choose to. And, and sometimes that works for me, but other times you just have to be disciplined and you have to find your own ways and experiment with what works for you and your daily routines. And also, when in the day you're most productive. How do you how do you kind of uh, structure your weeks? Do you? Ha- I, I get the impression that you're a bit more structured than I am. <laughs> um, well, you have a you have a new baby, and my daughter's twelve, so I think it's easier <laughs> to have more structure when they get older. Definitely. Um, I I think the structure from the weeks tends to come from the plans that I'm working on, and again, that all comes back down to the editorial calendar. So. I, I'm now making um, my amazing friend Monica, who blogs at the Elgin Avenue, she's got me into macro and micro lists. Um, mm. It's incredible. And so having a bigger, a bigger picture list and then breaking it down into smaller lists. So I know this week, for instance, if I have to write a couple of posts and I need to shoot those images for those posts, I'll get the images shot first when the light's good. So those are the things that I try and make flexible. Yeah. Um, and it's different for me at the moment because we're in school summer holidays, so yeah. I'm literally all <laughs> yeah, over the shop. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> six weeks, but that's fine. Uh, so normally my, my week is, is purely structured around content and then Instagram as well. So I find if I'm running low on Instagram photo stock, I will spend an afternoon going upstairs to the the front bedroom which is my dressing room now where the light's really good between two and five and shoot some pictures um and sometimes there may be involved you know meetings about workshops that I'm running with with Hero in Stockbridge or the odd trip to London but I think for the most part it's it's home and desk based yeah um and 
lots of planning time, which mm. I'm surprising myself telling you this. Yeah, you sounding well. I'm not surprised really because actually you've taken us onto um, something I wanted to talk about, which is Instagram. Mm. Because I discovered you through Instagram, Did and you? I'm endlessly amazed at the um, the kind of level of quality content that you put out on Instagram. Uh, and you, I just Tamara. don't know how you do it. <laughs> um, I'll tell you why. I am completely obsessed. I, I, it's, it's just, it, honestly, it's pure love and obsession. I think because I I scroll through Instagram and get so much inspiration and I see things that people create and it just kind of spurs me on. And I know at the moment people are having a, a love-hate, love-hate mm-hmm. relationship with Instagram on and off. Um, I think for the minute I looked at Instagram and found the first few accounts that made me go, oh, wow, look at that. That's so beautiful, you know, as a profile page as a whole. From that moment on, I think I've been in this pursuit of a three-by-three perfection. <laughs> I, don't mean, I, don't, I don't mean me saying this is perfect, this is my life, it's perfect, because for goodness sake, we all know it's just Instagram. Um, but for me, I guess it's kind of an escapism, and I love – I'm not artistic, as in I can't draw for toffee mm-hmm. – um, but I can write and I can take pictures with my iPhone, edit them quite well. So yeah. that's my, I think of it as a creative outlet. So because of that, I think that's where my passion comes from, from Instagram. And, you know, if I can get like a the perfect three by three, it makes me so happy. Oh, <laughs> I totally know how you feel. I've I've done a couple of, I mean, Sarah Tasker, who is oh. my, <laughs> yeah. I think she's anyone who loves Instagram is like, oh, she's the dream. <laughs> she's the guru. She is the Insta queen. So um, I think she said once it's a bit like fitting together a jigsaw puzzle and it is the dreamiest thing when you that's one thing that I do plan is my Instagram yes um, and I use Good. it makes me happy <laughs> yeah it's lovely and you're like kind of moving the pictures around until it just looks perfect fit for me um how did you grow your Instagram account so I um, I recently wrote a blog post about it. Actually, it's quite fresh in my head. So I'll I had to it in the um, show notes. oh cool, thank you. Um, I had I think I was losing my way a bit with it about two years ago, and um, again Monica, who's my kind of um, creative consultant, was helping me with just you know you know what it's like when you work by yourself. You can't see the wood for the trees, yeah. and I was I got to the I kind of an impasse with the blog and with Instagram and everything stayed very static and I don't think I knew where to go next or what to do mm-hmm. um and a couple of simple things the first thing that Monica pointed out was that it's the online stylist and people love to see what you're wearing and you're never on your Instagram feed where are you <laughs> um <laughs> I think I, I got so obsessed with flat lays and things like that yeah. that I, I realized I wasn't in there so I began to look at my Instagram feed I kind of wanted to nail down the tones of it the general tones which mostly around monochrome you know blushes and buffs and mm-hmm. blues and greys so having the colors was helpful um taking time out to learn and understand hashtags and how beneficial they can be mm-hmm. that was i think a big part of it and also pinning myself down to posting three times a day every single day which sounds really probably completely insane to some people um but i started doing that about probably eight months or so before the algorithm came in <laughs> the dreaded algorithm um, <laughs> and, I, and I don't know whether just being on there consistently was beneficial I presume it was because it was I literally grew the numbers from around 7,000 to about I think it was about 17,000 18,000 in just under 18 months wow. um, and it was 
it was by doing those things and being a complete obsessive <laughs> yeah yeah I think you have to love it don't you you have to yes you have to really love it I couldn't post three times a day I don't think I, I can just about post once a day but I think I think it, I think it changes and moves on. You know, now sometimes I realise that I can't post three times a day, and I think because I've achieved that growth and I know where I'm going now, that's fine. I'm much more relaxed about it, and I would rather actually post one thing, or even heaven forbid, nothing, mm. <laughs> to, to make sure to make sure that the images look beautiful side by side. Um, yeah. The other the other thing that I love about Instagram now, um, I'm really pleased to see is this. I wouldn't say a trend, but this kind of this feeling for wanting to post kind of lovely microblogs underneath the picture, you know, lovely yeah, mean captions. Captions, yeah. yeah. Great conversations. And I think that's part of the pull-in. So you may be looking at a what you think is a, a perfect picture, but the conversation underneath it is really meaningful as well. Yeah, yeah I agree. I'm I'm a real caption junkie. I like yeah. I love posting kind of little stories and um, Yeah sometimes more than the picture that's, I think that's where the hashtag unrelated caption came from because people just want to write something and they've got a beautiful picture they don't match but it just works it does it works doesn't it yeah and you've got your own hashtag as well elevate the everyday where did that come from well I don't I don't I can't I don't think I can't lay claim to it certainly not I think it was out there before but one, oh, really? one yeah well I presume it was because um I'd love to think it was my I thought own. it was yours I've, I've adopted it. Yeah, it's it's adopted me, and I've adopted it. <laughs> it. It's it's because it's what the blog's always been about. Yeah. I realise my underlying theme on the blog is all about trying to find some joy somewhere in the day, um, you know, big or small, or free or not free. It's just that something that that pleasure factor. Um, and then I, it literally just I was doing something on Instagram one day, and I'm whole whole alliteration thing, you know, and and I just thought, oh elevate the every day and so I started using it and I just hashtag the hell out of it now <laughs> <laughs> um and there's uh, there's quite a I feel I imagine there's a bit of a community feel around it because you're you've got really good engagement as well on um your Instagram I've noticed um you. do you how do you kind of uh, I don't know what the word is for it how do you cultivate that kind of foster engagement foster, 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 yeah exactly cultivate. Um, I just think it's simple. I think it's making sure that in your daily or weekly working schedule, you allow yourself time to go back and check comments and reply to conversations. Um, it, I think that when people leave comments um, that are like one word or it, or it's an emoji or it's a, it's a spammy type comment, you know that's not a genuine potentially comment. It's just somebody trying to get on your radar. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. That, but that instantly shows you the comments that are genuine and you see regular followers and friends coming back and you have regular conversations. So to me, they're kind of like my office buddies, if you like. I don't have people around me anymore. So I do love as often as I can. Sometimes I admit if I'm buried in something in deadlines, I will go for two or three days without getting back to comments. And, and I feel almost guilty, I guess. But <laughs> I, will, I will then go back and answer questions and reply to comments and try and spend some time doing that. Yeah, so it, it, to me, it, it's completely and utterly about just making time to go back and reply and have conversations because I've, it sounds crazy, but I've, you know, we've had conversations about um, parenthood and things and challenges of preteens and challenges of becoming potentially a premenopausal late 40 something. And, and you do make genuine um, contacts and people are genuinely helpful. And I think lots of people genuinely care, which is, which is lovely. Um, to say that about social media these days is difficult, isn't it? 
Instagram is definitely the place where I found the most authentic and meaningful. Conne- I hate to overuse the word authentic, but the most meaningful connections, I would say. Yeah, I, I agree. Twitter is very, you can dip in and out. Yeah. And I think I've kind of gone off Twitter lately because I think it gets very shouty when <laughs> it gets very shouty when things happen. And, and, and I kind of just go, OK, um, you know, but it's people's voice and it, it's free speech. And I completely get that. Um Facebook I've never really been into I have to say so for me I guess Instagram is is the the passion project as well yeah I would agree with you I completely relate to that um one thing I wanted to ask you that I know lots of people will be really really interested in is um how you how you kind of um how you manage to get yourself in the media quite a lot because on your in the press page um it's really really impressive you've been featured in uh, the times and oh, all manner of things um mm. how um, how do you do it fluke i don't i have I honestly 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 hold my hands up and say it's just pure fluke i guess what it comes from is being in the game long enough mm. um i think potentially because there's a uh, wonderfully for me and i'm really excited that people are embracing the the 40 something plus era for women finally hello (laughs) Um, so I think because there's lots of us out there doing that and waving that flag I think that's just become a thing on the media radar so I think lots of the the contact has come around and about because of that which is which I'm completely all for obviously um I think sometimes it's just purely down to contact so people that I've met um so the recent the lovely the amazing piece in the times that broke as I was going off to Mallorca about the Instagrammers you know they called it the um what the title was now, but the um, rise of the uh, yeah, mid, the rise of the mid mid like mid or midlife or something, midlife, which yes. I didn't object to, didn't object to in the slightest. <laughs> yes, I think I think at the end of the day, I know the lady that wrote the piece; she's lovely, and that's what I was going to come down to. I think that the editor will have the final say yes. as to what they call it. Yeah, and absolutely. you're right; it's just it's an attention grabbing headline, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But, but that particular piece came about because. Um, I, I knew Alex from Wear and Wear blog, and we'd met at a white company event. We, we chat on Instagram. That's the other thing, you know, yeah. opportunities from the media. Yeah. I guess that's what Twitter is good for as well. If you're on Twitter, yes. then you are on journalist radars, I, I, I think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, all the, pre- the press that I've had, I've never gone out looking for it. It has come to me, and that probably sounds really big-headed. I mean, there's not, not all, an awful lot. No. There's not a lot of press on there, but I think over the years, there've been some beautiful choice pieces that I'm so proud of and mm. honest to goodness I really have to pinch myself and go seriously was I in the times that's yeah. ridiculous it's incredible um, it's, and it may be well I don't think it's very small but um, amount of pieces but it's really quality coverage as well which is lovely and it kind of has longevity you know I'd rather say you know I had a big press gallery and in there if I could say to you there were five pieces that I'm really proud of in there you know the Times the Telegraph and Red magazine would be among them and that would never change you know that's such a massive achievement for me and I'm really proud of it you should be (laughs) (laughs) um I wanted to ask you a little bit about stumbling blocks um Mm. because I I sort of feel like uh every blogger goes through however, however long they've been doing it whether they've been doing it 10 years or three years they or even um, three months they go they fight they go through a bit of a journey and there's always a stumbling block um, mm. and I'm always interested to hear about it <laughs> um, completely I hands down agree there are many stumbling blocks they can come in the form of I think creativity just drying up 
um, sometimes life sometimes life puts you in a place where you just think you know what all of a sudden you can turn around and think this feels completely frivolous I'm not in the mindset for this I don't want to do this mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for me I've had a few of those moments just things that have happened in life but I think they pass quite quickly because it is a a passion project at the end of the day so my um instinct and, and love for it quickly resurfaces so i think for me the biggest stumbling blocks probably working by myself and for myself and not knowing which direction i should be heading in sometimes um so as, as a way any advice i would give to get around that would be to seek a mentor or a creative consultant or you know, build your own community with fellow bloggers because you you so really need someone to bounce things off of. Yeah. Um, that that's a huge stumbling block is not knowing which direction you're going in. And I guess another one would be to bury your head in the sand and say, Well, I'm sticking with what I'm doing because it's what I know. If you don't step outside your comfort zone and learn new stuff and pay attention to where the world is going, as in the online world, mm-hmm. um, I guess there's a danger you can be left behind. People want new things all the time. <laughs> that probably takes us on quite nicely to um, what's going on for you this year for the online stylist, mm. um, which is another brilliant hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> is it TRS Refresh 2017? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, um, oh, I'm, do you know I'm so excited. I am. I mean, I love Christmas. If anyone that knows me on Instagram knows I love Christmas. And at the moment, it feels like Christmas is coming early because the thought of unveiling the new blog design in September is just, oh, so excited. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't wait. It's been about three years since the blog had what I call a facelift, I guess. Mm. And it's not just about the aesthetics of it, because I think I know my aesthetics in my head. I, I feel like I've nailed that in my personal life and blog life, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's also about reader experience. So I, I looked at the blog and realised that the the ability is not there for readers to click around and find different posts in different categories. It's all just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Um, so I want, as well as it, to look beautiful. I'm stepping up my content game. So the quality of the content, I hope, continues to improve. But also the reader browsing experience will improve as well because those are the things that will keep your audience growing and, and fed if that makes sense yeah absolutely and uh, probably all too often we forget about the reader experience um and navigating around our website and how they do it and if it makes sense and because really you want people to stay on your website for as long as possible of course of course you do and i think you you're completely right you lose sight of that because you're focusing on the creating side yeah and you you have to think about how are they getting on when when that post lands in their inbox or they you know they find it via Twitter? What do they think when they land on your blog and how easy is it to navigate and are there any other pieces on there that might be interesting if that's the kind of thing they're into, I guess. Um what what kind of prompted it? Um, do you know what? It's funny, it all started this time last summer. I kind of had I think I picked up on all these slow slow hashtags, you know, the simple life yeah. and simple pleasures and all that sort of stuff. And I picked up a whole new raft of um, beautiful, muted, slow down kind of stuff. And it's really funny. It was a bit of a revelation for me. So for so long with the blog, I was trying, I guess, to emulate the whole London thing. Lots of London bloggers, which who I absolutely adore and I and I love to see because I don't live in London. You know, they were having pictures taken in beautiful, front of beautiful monochrome buildings. And um, so that aesthetic obviously completely appealed to me. And it was it was a London life. And when I do go to London, I 
love the London life, you know, the buzz in the city and um, the amazing places you can go to eat and the shops, of course, it's just fantastic. And I think I'd kind of subconsciously fall into a rut of trying to create that here. And then I thought, what the hell are you doing? You know, um, this time last year, my daughter was just finishing primary school, about to start senior school. And it was a real seminal moment. And I had all these thoughts of, oh, my goodness, life's going so fast. And I wanted to slow down, I guess. And so I focused on, I started thinking about what what do I have here? And I have the beach, you know, five minutes down the road in the car. We live in the New Forest. And I wasn't making the most of it. I was schlepping up to London with a suitcase full of clothes, <laughs> changing in toilets. So I could pose. <laughs> it's so glamorous. <laughs> I know, it's so glamorous. So I could pose in front of monochrome buildings. Mm. And I just thought, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. Why don't you make the most of what you've got here so um there'll be lots more coastal and countryside stuff coming in terms of the new blog and I think it's about talking about my life and the aspirations for my life as is not trying to emulate what it's like to be a blogger in London yeah so it's got a bit of, yeah a bit of a story behind it sorry to go off on a tangent no not at all it was really interesting and also it's another really good lesson to learn isn't it because I think probably we all start out emulating yes what what, what we know before we can look at kind of, of at what you, we have <laughs> yeah you're drawn to what attracts you aren't you um and that's the nature of the beast with blogging and instagram um you're completely drawn to the things that you know pull you in every time and for me that was amazing mono- monochromatic facades and things like that um and you know my husband laughs at me because i say no no we can't have green in my instagram feed and green does not work <laughs> <in Instagram feed." laughs> which is still true to this day yes. i will be I will desaturate a green until it's almost grey. <laughs> um, so that's another story. So I just think it was realisation and also that thing of, um, I don't know, but as I get older, I become quite bloody-minded, I guess. Yeah. Um, as in, do you know what? This is me. This is what I like. And if you don't like it, then that's okay. There's somebody else that you will like. Yeah. So I think I'm not afraid anymore to try and do my own thing more. And in actual fact, one of my blog posts that's coming out on the holiday is... Um, I pulled a kind of a phrase out of nowhere, I think, and it's it's about blogging and the theory of reflect versus collect. I think we collect so many ideas, um, but actually this year I've taken time to reflect, as in who am I and what is the online stylist really about? Gosh, that sounds really deep and stupid, doesn't no, it? No, no, it's brilliant. Um, so where can everybody find you online? Okay, so probably let's talk about the blog. It's www.theonlinestylist.co.uk and that will say the same for the new um, redesign in September. Um, and then the next place you'll always find me is at Instagram, which is <laughs> at onlinestylist. <laughs> and on Twitter, I have an underscore. Um, I love my, I've learned to love my underscore, so I'm at <laughs> the score online stylist. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to What She Said. And if you like this episode or any of the other episodes, please think about giving me a lovely rating on iTunes. I really appreciate it. If you want to connect with me, head over to my blog, wanderloose.com or hit me up on Twitter, Instagram or Pinterest where I'm at wanderloose blog. Yeah.